everyone, and welcome to the Heart of Sports with Jason Springer and Jeff Cohen. We are thrilled to join you on 610 ESPN, ready to help you move into the weekend, talking about all the news in the world of sports. Jeff, the Eagles have started their season defending the world title. Uh, did you? It was Should a late I game. Should now or, or, or save my... Uh, it was a late game. Um, it was a late game. It was a sloppy game. Forget just the, the did rain. Did you enjoy my text messages throughout the game? Of, Some of them. Of... Uh, Penalty flag, penalty flag, it, it penalty was, flag. It, it was, it was, it was a for the, for the game that you have as your opening game for the season for the whole league. It was a mess. I mean, there's nothing you can do to control the weather, but it, the weather clearly sucked the wind out of the the sails of of the championship. So, so we'll take a step back. Last night um, there was concerts. Uh, nothing says NFL football like Shawn Mendes on the waterfront, <laughs> and so he was down there performing. Thankfully, they recorded that earlier before the weather. So I, I have a question about that. How many people of those, pe- the people that were at the Sean Mendez concert actually zoomed on down to the football game? I don't know. I didn't get a head count. <laughs> but, it, um, you know, it's nice that they feature the city and everything for right. the home opener. So that's cool. Well, I, I got it. I got it. I usually drive into the city around 6.37 a.m. And I drove up JFK past the Comcast building. And I think it was the Today Show that was there doing live outside it, it was so it was a zoo all day in the city it was a zoo um i actually went down to tailgate a little bit in the parking lot and have some fun and uh were you down there at 1 30 like everybody else no but i got there at three and it was jam-packed <laughs> it was people were out there enjoying themselves it was they hot. Opened the lots that it, early. it was hot out there yeah. in those lots uh but it was it was packed and people were excited and people were dressed up everything you'd expect to see i just wanted to be a part of the atmosphere. I wasn't going to the game. Um, knew some people going to some different tailgates and just wanted to be down there and, and see the excitement. And a little bit of a shame that it got dampened by the weather. Everybody goes into the stadium for the banner unveiling and then you get a sign up that says severe weather coming. Please clear your seats in the lower bowl. So maybe when I was a kid is different than when you were a kid. But I don't remember weather ever stopped. It was the lightning. I know, but as a kid, I don't don't remember lightning ever stopping games and it seems to happen a lot now I'm not a weatherman. I've, I've been to several college football games in the Midwest lately that in the last few years where they have stopped the game and made people leave their seats. My wife could tell not. you there's few things I'm less prepared for than the weather. I just, I don't look, I go outside in the wrong stuff. She's like, didn't you check? I'm like, no. <laughs> it's weather. The one thing that I like about football that's different than baseball when it comes to the weather is with football, that they don't let you bring umbrellas in. It drives me nuts when people go to baseball games and bring an umbrella and then pop it up when there are people sitting behind them. I bring your poncho or go to the concourse. I enjoyed the defiant people who didn't want to go to the concourse and stayed in their seat <laughs> waiting for lightning to potentially strike. Uh, it was an ugly game to start, delayed by the storm. Kickoff after 9 o'clock, last play of the game, 12.27 a.m. So I said to my wife this it's like morning, a baseball my, game. my wife asked if I got sleep and, and went to bed. I said, yeah, after the game. She goes, you stayed up for the whole thing? I was like, yeah, I, I did. She goes, but you were DVRing it. I'm like, but this is the first game. I couldn't go to sleep. And it's a good thing I did because... Please tell me you're not going to watch that game. No, but here... I, absolutely not. Please. I'm going to delete it as fast as possible. But here's the thing. It's a good thing I stayed up till the end because the DVR ran short because the game ran so long. Don't you know so, to set it for an extra half hour for a sporting I set event? it for an extra hour. Oh my. And it still <laughs> did not 
not catch the end of the game because it ended at 1230. Oh. And so, yeah, I missed it. Anyway, tons of penalties. At time, it felt like a preseason game with how sloppy it was. I do want to note, none of the penalties, there were 31 penalties, 26 accepted, none of them for the targeting rule with the helmet that everybody was so worried about in the preseason. Not one of those calls made in that the game. That makes it worse. I know. Like it was, if it, at least if it was some of those targeting penalties, it would make sense it was, that it was so sloppy. It was terrible. I mean, neutral zone infractions. Yeah, it was just sloppy, sloppy football. Think about this. Oh, the my, Eagles My favorite. Going out of the field on not, a kickoff not and not rushing back on. back on. Yeah, that's uh, that's an interesting one. Uh, just think about this: the Eagles ended up winning eighteen to twelve. There were more penalties at thirty-one than there were points scored at thirty. That tells you about you the game you love last stuff, night, don't you? The stats. Yes. I hate the fact that it weird actually st- happened. It has to be weird. weird I enjoy yes. weird odd stats. Mm-hmm. Uh, just the fact that it happened annoys me. Uh, the Eagles had zero yards on offense after the first quarter and three points at the half. <laughs> And the first half went forever. Uh, what were your thoughts heading into halftime with this game? Eagles down 6-3. You knew that I had questions going in about what the offense would look like. Kind of figured the defense would be there. Not really an issue. But going into the half 6-3, your thoughts? Two things. On the Eagles side, they need Alshon Jeffrey back. And, and they, he's going to be out a little longer, yep, it looks and, like. And they need Carson Wentz back. And he's um, going to be out a little longer, yeah. if you believe reports could be out till October. I happen to believe, and I this is not always a popular opinion, Carson Wentz's return should not be dictated by Nick Foles' play. I agree. I, I, I do not think that... Especially since Nelson Aguilar had a quarterback rating of 100 yesterday. <laughs> he had... I think, it, I think there was a crazy stat that he had the longest pass, the longest rush for a while, but not the most... the longest reception for, for the receiver. It was like the oddest thing, but I mean, he ran the end around really well. How about Doug? Well, and Al- Aguilar had eight receptions for a whopping 33 <clears throat> yards. He but had he one had, pass for 15. He had a pass for 15, yeah. and that was, look, you, you go into the third quarter. The offense is still lifeless. The stadium is quiet at that point, and what do they do? Basically, they pull out Philly Special again. They pull out the version that Tom Brady, as Lane Johnson said, um, it was the same play the Patriots used, the one that Tom dropped. <laughs> so he just enjoys continuing to twist the knife on that one. It, it turned things around. It gave life to both the team and to the fans in the stadium. It was, I mean, I, I was on the phone with somebody. My family is sleeping, and I kind of yelled for a sec. They did Philly Special again. <laughs> and I was worried I was going to wake people up. Well, the, the, but the second point I had about the second second half with or the first half with regard to the Eagles that was who are the people booing at the end of the first quarter seriously you you just watched them put up a giant Super Bowl champion are you bat. surprised yeah I am I, I, you I, were I, honestly surprised. I am actually surprised I would not have booed here. but I was not surprised I, I mean, would not. Serious. Have well, I'm not a boo person. Yeah, I'm but, not. A, I, but uh, but I really don't understand how you could be in the stadium looking at this giant banner with a team that that has potential to go back to back, and you are booing them because the backup quarterback hasn't driven them for 35 points in the first half. I we, mean, come on. We demand success. 
Well, you got it. They won. <laughs> we got it. They got it. You, 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 although you did it with a quarterback with a quarterback rating of 26.2. 19 of 34 for 117 yards. 3.4 yards per attempt. <laughs> His best play was a reception. Quarter, quarterback rating, it's 26.2 sounded better than I, you just said. I, I heard somebody <laughs> ask uh, Doug in between last night and this morning whether when Wentz comes back, he's going to put Foles in at wide receiver. That's where we've gone to at this point with Foles' receptions. But Foles struggled. Uh, Jay Ajayi, on the other hand, uh, ran well when they gave him the ball. First half, he was very quiet. They did not have him in that much. They had a lot of Darren Sproles. But, in, uh, you know, ended up with two touchdowns. He's the first Eagles running back with two touchdowns on an opening day since Wilbert Montgomery against the Redskins in 1982. And the real question I have for you on that is, is, is he on your fantasy team? He's not. He's oh. not on any of my fantasy teams because I couldn't have too many Eagles on my team. So I have Wentz as my quarterback on one team. I have Ertz on another team. So I didn't want to have too many Eagles. I, I think I'm having an influence on people who do fantasy about that you should root for your team and not for your fantasy players. Because I was told last night by someone that they pulled all their Eagles and Falcons from their fantasy because they wanted to be able to have a pure rooting interest in their team. Jeff, I'm, I'm Jeff Cohen ruining people's fantasy teams <laughs> since forever. So the tight end struggled some. Uh, running backs did well, uh, but Ertz had, Ertz had two big drops. Yeah. Dallas Goddard, I don't blame him on the interception, but he got hit right as the ball got there, mm-hmm. popped up in the air, turned into Atlanta interception that um, you know, that really kind of changed momentum a little bit. They were so sloppy at times. You had Trey Sullivan uh, touching the ball on the on the punt to turn it back over to Atlanta after a big stop. Uh, you had Derek Barnett with two penalties that negated sacks that would have ended drives. So it, it was not the best that you've seen. But on the other side, the defense overall was dominant. I mean, Jordan Hicks coming off of an Achilles did not look like a player wait, coming wait, wait. off of Achilles. They, they were not dominant in the first quarter. What the, what they were was they, they had two good defensive stands, but but my theory after the first two drives was, you know what? Just let them get inside the red zone because apparently Matt cannot, Ryan cannot execute in the red zone. Explain to me how you have Julio Jones and you don't have him on the field for four plays in the red zone on that But first even when drive. he gets targeted, if you look over the last 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 season and this season, the two of them are dreadful in the red zone. Terrible. And Sarkeesian's play play calling there is just brutal. If I'm an Atlanta fan, I'm pulling my hair out that this is what I still have to go through again this season because nothing's changed. But on Hicks, I mean, he had seven tackles, one and a half sacks all over the place, just blowing things up. His sack, he basically blew up the running back and just jumped over top of him. Um, You know I marvel at... Chris Long played well, too. He did. And Fletcher Cox, although he didn't have the stats in terms of sacks, he was all over everything pressuring. You saw him involved when there was the the fumble. He was in on that. Um, it, It was just... It was a good game for the Eagles defense. Ronald Darby played well in the secondary. Well, what... I mean, to me, what, what was your thought on Sidney Jones? 
I thought he played pretty well. Yeah, I did too. I, thought, I mean, he had one. You know, I still don't like the cushion that the Eagles wide receivers give, or that the Eagles defensive backs give on the wide receivers. I just would prefer. I understand why they do it. They don't want them to get behind them, but I just feel like they give too much for free release sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, Jones a couple times had the receiver in front of him. You know, made the tackle, but I thought he played well. And what do um, you think of our most recent fly and hole in? Camus Grigier Hill. He was all over the place. Yeah. He, I think I think he's in the next flying Hawaii. See, he, we always have to have one in the city if we're going to be you, successful. You love nicknames. <laughs> he was he was uh, special teams defense. I mean, he he was all over the place. Nate Gary played well too. Yeah. I mean, so you know that that's the thing. You you have this this game. You still have players like Timmy Jernigan out. You have Nigel Bradham out. You have um, Alshon Jeffrey out. You have Carson Wentz out. You have Matt Collins now going on the IR. Yeah, that's going to be tough. For, for eight weeks. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, you're doing this, again, still with not all of your team resources. Do you think that the Eagles try to go out and get a receiver? Or you think I don't know. What they got? I don't know. I, I, they I mean, could use... You can't count on Hollins being back. No, they could use a possession receiver because right. that's what they don't have. And the one name that keeps coming up is the one player I don't want in Des Bryant. No, 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 no. Like, that's what I don't want. But he's the type of possession receiver that you need. You know, you've got guys to take the top off. You know, Aguilar... If they sign him, then I give people permission to boo. Then, then it's perfectly... <laughs> Okay. It, it, it crosses the Jeff acceptable boo <laughs> segment. Um, on the broadcast, uh, I, there were a lot of feedback online about the green zone, <laughs> where they highlight the area to gain for the first down when they're using a different camera angle. Right. So I didn't mind the green zone. Yeah. Um, I actually love the different camera angles. I really enjoy getting to see football from like the coach's view where you can see the play develop mm-hmm. and see who's open. But people lost their minds and there were all kinds of funny memes online about what the, the background was on the field for the you green know, zone. There was a game last year where they, they had different angles and we had this discussion and you, you told me that this was one of those moments that I was a get off my lawn kind you of person. You still are. I, I, I just don't like those video game angles. You know, I like the They're not video line. game angles. They're coaches' angles. No, they're, they're video. They, they just haven't trying, been used on the TV. They're trying to recreate video game, the, the video game broadcast for a live game. Get off my lawn. You got it. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We'll, we'll leave that there. The Eagles. You know what the sad part is? If you ever came and looked at my lawn, it's nothing special. No. Yeah. So it doesn't matter if the kids yeah, go on Yeah, kids can go on my lawn. It's fine. So that's even worse. You're crotchety and you're not taking care of your grass. Right. Um, so the Eagles sloppy that's why night. I had a kid. <laughs> right. How's that working out for you? <laughs> Ask my parents how it worked out with me mowing right. the lawn. Uh-huh. They'll have plenty of stories for you. So the Eagles survive. Uh, look, you you take a win. Nobody's going to look back at the end of the year and say and it was ugly. Week, and you get a week and a half off. Ten days off now. To so look at the film one time and then throw it out. Throw it out. Yep. Um, and, you know, you're, you're off to a good start in the season where you weren't sure. You know, a lot of emotions. Week one, who knows what's going to be. Let's see how it works out. So, you know, exciting to, to start off on a high, even if it was drowned out by some of the rain. It's pretty cool to see a Super Bowl winning banner up in the stadium. Yep. So now you start started off with the Thursday. The Eagles started off Thursday. 
So you got a bunch of games this weekend. To me, none of them like really jump out as great games. Are, are you really excited about Monday Night Football? Because Monday Night Football is, is two. The, the thing and, I and like about Jets versus the Lions. The thing I like and the Rams ab- versus the Raiders. The thing I like about Monday Night Football is the way they're doing two games with an earlier game and a later game. Yeah, well, they've done that for the last few years. I, that right. I like. I'm not really excited about the, the matchups. Well, the, the Raiders game will be interesting. Really? I want to see what that team looks like without Khalil Mack now. Worse. I'm more interested so in the Sunday night game where Khalil Mack's going to be on that Chicago defense against right. Aaron Rodgers mm-hmm. in Green Bay for their hundredth whatever. Is that the best game of the weekend? Probably one of them. The other one might be the Jacksonville Giants game just because people want to see Jalen Ramsey versus Odell Beckham. Yeah, that's the matchup I want to yeah. see. And, you know, you want to see how the running back performs. Maybe you know. San Francisco, Minnesota, uh, and Houston, New England. That that, should, that'll be a good game. That should be a good game. Yeah. Uh, you know, you want to see how Deshaun Watson plays coming off that injury. Mm-hmm. You know, who knows sort of what he's going to be at this point. Right. But football's back. We now have football until February. Woohoo! That's an exciting time. It's a, I don't know what it is. And I, I'm just and not. And even though you're not the, the pro football. I am. I'm a huge pro football guy, but there's something about it that, that I'm just not right into it yet. I think you're scarred by your college team right now. It hurt. It, it really hurt. What right. hurt more, that Michigan lost last week or that you had to kind of do an apology tour to the no, Notre Dame to, Lakewood player? I'm, who, I'm used to doing apologies. That's no big you deal. You talk trash yeah. to during an interview. And yeah. then, <laughs> but we did we did uh, square it away. I, I did tweet it. I put out his interview. I gave him his kudos. Uh, you know, it's, it's fine. Now it's forgotten. But as as people who follow me know, but you're still it, stuck with I, Jim Harbaugh. I, well, I think probably just for the rest of this year. But we'll see. We'll talk about that yeah. another day. All right. So we were down at the Sixers practice facility the other day, and beautiful facility. It is not? a beautiful facility, yeah. and we got the chance to talk to the director of marketing. What was your What was your favorite room? Um, well, the Dr. J conference room was pretty cool with yeah. the parquet floor, but I actually enjoyed the wall, which is the parquet floor from Wilt Chamberlain's game. Yeah. So it's for, pe- for people who have not been down there or taken a tour, it's amazing because the offices of the conference rooms are named after famous Sixers. And it has, like the Dr. J room has letters signed by presidents to him with his jerseys and stuff like that. And it, just the whole building is, is a museum to the Sixers, and it, it's just a pretty cool building to be in. It was fun to be there. Here's our interview with Alex Yo. We're here with Alex Yo of the Delaware Bluecoats. Alex, how are things going this season already? Getting ready. Man, we are busy, and in a good way. We are having the best offseason of our, uh, our, our short stint here in Delaware. Um, we are building a new arena, as you know, in Wilmington, uh, which has opened up a, a whole new set of challenges in a good way for us. Um, it's exciting to see uh, 76ers Fieldhouse um, going up really fast um, down by the river there in Wilmington, just having broken ground um, about a month ago now. And outside of that, we are experiencing 
doing a, a really cool rebrand with our team. Um, the 87ers were 86th back in the spring, as we like to say. Um, and that has opened up a whole new uh, set of creative opportunities for us to, uh, to have some fun with Sixers history, with Revolutionary War history, which is really rooted in Delaware, um, and to have some fun uh, with colors and logos and eventually a new mascot, which will be uh, rolling out uh, this, this winter. So it's going to be fun, and long and short of it. Um, so we're really looking forward to November 20th when we can officially kick this thing off. Over the next uh, couple weeks, not only are you going to be f- staffing your team with players that are drafted by the Sixers, but you will also be uh, possibly having people who have their dream come true. Yes. So tell us about these open tryouts that you're having. So first of all, the open tryout is my favorite event of the year uh, because I think every uh, one of us has a little piece of us that thinks we can still play, first of all. And this is a real opportunity to make the team, which I think is just awesome. And an an opportunity that the G League, um, unlike any other league, can afford um, to uh, basketball dreamers, you know, hoop dreamers. And these tryouts have uh, produced 20 players who have made the training camp roster for our Delaware franchise over the past five years. And 12 of those players have actually uh, been rostered on the team. Uh, throughout the regular season. So again, the long and short of it, the thing we like to say is it's a real opportunity to make the team. Um, last year, we had a few guys you know, from tryouts make the team. We just uh, finished our first tryout last week in Hocuston, Delaware. How many and, people showed up for that? Uh, we think fell at 85. So we had 84, three full courts of basketball. It was a loud gym. It was fun. Um, our head coach, Connor Johnson, and our, our GM, Elton Brand, and their staff, uh, they had the clipboards out. Um, Sixer scouts were in attendance. So it was a really good event. Um, we had some spectators, which we always encourage uh, spectators to come. It's just a small, you know, spectator ticket to really, you know, see. It's raw basketball. You know, they're getting up and down. And these are guys that are hungry to play. Like, they think they can make the team. And they should. Are you amazed at the amount of talent that there is that's out there? There really is. And we've seen people come in from all over the region. We see people from New Jersey, from Ohio, flying in from upstate New York, uh, from New England. Because there aren't that many open tryouts. We hear about, you know, the famous story about Vince Papali when the Eagles used to do um, sort of stunts like that. But the open tryout for pro sports is not really alive um, outside of what we do here in the G League. So, yes, there's plenty of players in in baseball. They call them quad A players, I think, that that can't have not quite maybe made a, a D1 roster or have played D1 or have played high level. D2 or even high level D3 basketball who are very skilled and for some reason or another just weren't able to advance their careers and this gives them a chance uh, to sort of rewrite that story. So where's the next tryout going to be? The next tryout is uh, Saturday uh, September 8th at Temple and it's usually our highest attended tryout. It's the the biggest venue that we hold tryouts Um, so we can really pack them in. Last year I think we had 120 people try out there and we're projecting uh, to hit that number again this year um, as the word spreads that, that this is something that, that, that ballers can get in on. 
John Chaney going to be there? <laughs> I don't know. You never know who's going to show up at tryouts. Honestly, uh, Aaron McKee showed up last year. He wow. just happened to be walking through. And, um, you know, he had a great time talking to Elton Brand. And uh, like I said, it's it's open um, and it, it's going to be a, a good time and something good for not only basketball players, but even some basketball heads who just being like being around the game. It's, it's certainly uh, Temple's a good venue to, to host this event. See, that's what I would want. I, I would want I would want John Chaney to just walk in and yell at me. Yeah. And then I'd feel like I made it. Well, I'll tell you what, we, we uh, employ a few uh, local coaches to help coach the tryout and sort of blend in with our Blue Coats and Sixers staff. I think I should put in a I was going to say, do you think you could find any local coaches that could yell at Jeff? Yeah. I, I think there's <laughs> there's there's room for... <laughs> yeah. Coach Johnson seemed a little too nice to yell at Jeff, but Jeff is still trying to get me to embarrass myself at that open tryout for you. I, I, this will be the third time I've invited both of you guys. It's an open tryout. It's an open tryout for Look, a reason. And I'm trying to respect your open tryout, take it seriously, and not make a mockery of it with my lack of skill out there on the court. Hey, I mean, you don't. The other part of it too is you don't have to be have been the best player on your team to, to try out. We've had many people, not many people, but we've had a a good handful of people try out and just say, "I wanted to tell my kids that I tried out for a pro basketball team." So you're telling me there's a chance. There, there's always a chance, but one thing's for sure: like it's it's a cool event to be part of, regardless of what your ambitions are. Um, because to be honest with you, that our our coaches do a great job of of keeping the competition um, up to par. Like we have guys moving from court to court depending on their skill sets. I'll be um, on like the backcourt. Yeah. We, the, ball by myself. The, the, <laughs> yeah. We'll, we'll set up a basket for you somewhere is what I'm trying to say. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's a cool event uh, no matter what your, your aspirations are. And uh, there's going to be something for everyone for sure. And this is an exciting time for you. You mentioned the rebrand. You've got the game at the Wells Fargo Center on the 20th. Talk about the next two months for you. What's what goes on and what can fans expect when things tip off? Right. Well, the, the regular season schedule just came out. So we're really excited that we get to play uh, 20 of our 24 home games at 76ers Fieldhouse. And almost just as excited as that we get to kick things off at the Wells Fargo Center in Philadelphia. We're sandwiched right in between two Sixer games. It'll be a, a little Sixers Blue Coats homestand at the center. Um, so th- between now and then, it's getting ready for that. It's getting ready in a sense of our roster. We have a Sixers training camp coming up in a few weeks. Uh, we have the NBA G League training camp coming uh, shortly after that. Um, and then preceded by the NBA G League draft. So it's roster building, it's uh, schedule building, it's promotional uh, theme night building, which we're excited to uh, eventually get the chance to announce some awesome things we're doing at the Fieldhouse. Um, look out for that uh, closer to the season, uh, from giveaways to zany theme nights to celebrity appearances, those types of things that we're, we're excited to be able to announce soon. All right, so to round out the team, what time is the uh, open tryout this weekend? The open tryout runs 8 to noon at McGonagall Hall at Temple University. And then there's one more after that. Right. So this is the first year we're going a little bit out of market to try to extend our arms a little bit. We're going out to Reading, Pennsylvania. Uh, The third tryout would be September 15th. 
um, from 8 a.m. to 1 p.m. at Albright College, which is in the heart of Reading, Pennsylvania. Uh, and like I said, it's the first time we've added a third tryout, and it's the first time that we are going outside of market, which I think speaks to our growth a little bit um, as a, a young and upcoming franchise. Um, that there are pockets of really good basketball out there, and we're trying to find them. And Reading certainly uh, has the basketball history and the interest that we feel we're going to uh, have a good tryout out there as well. All right. Well, if you can make it, get out to that tryout, and we're going to be looking forward to the Blue Coats coming up in. Uh, 2018 2019 thanks for joining us alex appreciate it guys jeff that was a fun interview with alex there's a lot going on and by the way so are you going to go to the open practice on the 15th yeah probably you think you're going to try out no oh come on you just want to i'll try out if you try out that's not fun or fair why because you're tall i stink so do we both. Why okay. do we? I, I told Alex in the interview, I don't want to like drag down the quality of what they have going on there. You've already got coach who's ready to like critique my shot and tell me how terrible I am. Just the, let me flail on my own. The, we will make somebody feel a lot better than they actually are. Oh, that's are. definitely my goal in right. life to make so, somebody well, feel don't, better. Don't about you want to make people happier? Uh, sure. That's exactly what I want to do. <laughs> <laughs> exactly what I want to do. You think we can get Embiid to come down and guard us? <laughs> uh, that would be a video that would that would be entertaining. How uh, often do you have a chance to try out for a a professional team in any major sport. Well, I'm sure that I could try out, but do I have a shot at anything? No, but you know, I remember in college they they uh, there was a in Detroit there was a um, an arena football team. I don't remember what the name was. And as a goof, we were going to go try out. But this is serious. These people come down thinking that they have a chance. Well, and that's why I don't want to make it yeah. less serious by like, hey, I'm here to play. <laughs> they'll, they'll laugh when I walk in the door. Well, people, people, if you haven't, you might want to go try to get tickets because the blue coats are selling and their field house is going to be really nice it's yeah. going to open in january can you uh, imagine how loud that building can get it's going to be fun yeah. i'm looking forward to it we'll go down and catch some games there and talk more about the blue coats as we go into the season why don't we head to break and when we come back we got plenty of baseball to talk about stick with us are you looking for a lifeline? Verizon New Jersey Shares Communication Lifeline is a statewide nonprofit that provides assistance to individuals and families living in New Jersey, those who are in need of temporary help in paying their communication and energy bills. Want to know how to apply? All you need to do is call Verizon New Jersey Shares at 1-888-337-3339 or visit on the web at www.newjerseyshares.org. It's quick and easy to sign up, but remember, you must be a Verizon Residential Landline customer to apply for eligible programs. That's Verizon New Jersey Shares, keeping the lines of communication open for you and your family. Taking you into the weekend with the latest news in the world of sports. With the biggest names on and off the field. It's the heart of sports each and every Friday at 4 p.m. on 610 ESPN. With former players, reporters, and commentators like Adam Schefter, John Runyon, Keith Jones, Trey Thomas, and Doug Glanville, Jason Springer and Jeff Cohen cover the agony and ecstasy of fandom while weaving in conversations about the impact of sports on society. That's the heart of sports, Fridays at 4 p.m. Welcome back to our Phillies High Hopes Minor League Rundown. Jeff, we had a great time last weekend. We're out in Lakewood. For the first time, I think, of all the games we've been to, there was perfect weather. It really was. I mean, if there was any better 
day for a ball game, I just can't imagine it. It was beyond perfect baseball yeah. weather. The breeze, the ballpark looked amazing. The team won. <laughs> as usual. As, as usual. Yeah, I mean, they, they have had just a record-setting season this year, and it's now it's continuing into the playoffs for them. And it was a good time. We got to talk to some players there, kind of do a wrap on this show for the season in terms of our interviews that we'll play over the next coming weeks. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll have an interview shortly with Will Stewart, one of our favorite pitchers at this point in the system, who was one of our first interviews that we had to start, and uh, we decided to circle back with him at the end of the season to see about the progression and what it was like for him. He's grown so much. It's just immaturity, and he just looks different. It really, it's amazing what 140-game season in the, in the heat of the summer with 14-hour bus rides will do to a, a person who is young and bright-eyed. And, and I did ask him about the long bus ride in the interview, so I'll have to pay attention to that. <laughs> Before we get there, though, uh, the, the regular season ended for a lot of these teams. Uh, the Phillies farm teams, a lot of them made the playoffs. Yeah, three, three out of the five of their major um, minor league teams. Um, the, the major organ, now I'm not counting like GCL and, and stuff like that, made the playoffs. For the Iron Pigs, they were, uh, they had first place in the International League North, which is AAA. The Threshers um, made the playoffs by winning the second half in high A. And Lakewood made the playoffs by winning both halves. By winning everything. Yeah, and just having a, a team record for wins in a season, both shutouts in a season. I mean, they just were dominant. Lakewood year. set records all over the place. Yeah. They, they just, to watch what they did this year, I mean, they, they set the shutout record in all of minor league baseball. It, like it, 180 teams or something it, like that. Every level. the ace clause, I told you. Every, everything. And Will Stewart was one of the, between Will Stewart and David Parkinson and, and Ramon Rosso, and you can just go on and on with the number of players, and every time somebody got promoted, they brought up another guy who just filled right in. Jumped right in and yeah. filled it and, and did great. So let's talk briefly about Clearwater and Lehigh Valley and their starts to the playoffs before we get back to Lakewood in our interview. You've been following along closely. What's going on with Clearwater? They were up. It, it didn't oh, end well. It's heartbreaking. So they're down. So, so Clearwater, it's a best out of three series. Clearwater won the first game, which was at home, 7-6. Uh, to six. Uh, Just another good performance. Um, the second game, which was Wednesday, the Threshers lost. To, it's to the Daytona Tortugas. I love the name. Um, and that game was a 6-5 crusher, heartbreak. And then last night, they were ahead. They were. A majority. And Mauricio Yovera had a, a great game pitching for six innings. And then they went to the relief and they uh, they were up three to one or three nothing sorry and uh in the seventh inning the tortugas which is fun to say uh had two runs and then they scored three runs in the make bottom that, of the eighth i make that your nickname tortuga tortuga no thank you uh, i just said it was fun to say so their season while successful came to a heartbreaking conclusion but and we had talked to some of the managers earlier in the season that experience in the playoffs 
in the late innings when mm -hmm. your reliever comes in. That's a situation they can't replicate, and they want to put their players in. So although they didn't have the result they wanted, they're going to take a lot away from what happened last night. So I'm not trying to winning a, and losing. I'm, I mean, I'm not trying to be an apologist no, for it, but yeah. at this level, you want to see your players in situations that they haven't been in before. See how they handle it. See how they come back afterwards. So yes, we'd love to have seen Clearwater go further, but to see those players in that situation of a deciding game, the pressure and stress that they all experience will make them stronger players in the system it, going it, forward. Yeah, and, and mentally you have to be a lot stronger in some ways than any other sport at any other level because you're losing your best players a lot of times. So, you know, you could go through a season and remember, they started the season and for most of the season had Derek Hall, who was their home run hitter in, in, in the minors. They, they lost Austin Listy, who was another crusher in the minors. They lost Jose Pujols. Who, was who all have moved up and played very well. Right. So Adam Hazley, too. I mean, you, you, they've lost a lot of great players, still made the playoffs. That Sixto Sanchez is the best prospect in the organization. It was there, and he was shut down. Yeah. So you, you lose a lot of your best players, so you learn to adjust in ways that in other sports you don't really have to learn to adjust. You concerned at all about Sixto? No. You think he'll I, be? I, I think that I've seen him pitch enough to see that for a guy, he's small. Um, he's thin. He, small he does, as in slight, like thin. Like he's Pedro Martinez. Yeah, no, he's like Pedro Martinez in, in, the, in that he doesn't look like a guy. He doesn't look, have the Nolan Ryan, Tom Seaver, Justin Verlander build is what I'm talking about, mm -hmm. that you would expect him to throw 100. But the way he throws 100 seems so easy. And his mechanics seem so advanced. I think that they just said, you know what? We're going to be cautious. We're not going to play games. We don't want to have a situation where we risk him having to go under Tommy John surgery or anything like that. He was never at that point. And I think that they're being overly cautious. And I think that's a smart move. So Lehigh Valley uh, started on the road in their series, heading back to Coca-Cola Park, unfortunately down 2-0. You know, they, they play the Scranton-Wilkes-Barre Rail Riders all the time. They God have. knows how many times during the season, and they just got to keep playing. It's the Yankees AAA team, by the way. And so the way that the, that works is the first two games were in Scranton-Wilkes-Barre. And Lakewood lost one game three. Le to Lehigh Valley. Lost. I mean, I'm sorry. Yeah, Lehigh Valley. Uh, see, you had, my, you had the beach on my mind. I understand. I, <laughs> I understand. And so uh, that was with De Los Santos. They lost three to two. Um, and, and then and then last night with with their ace on the mound, he pitched a great game. But when the relief came in, they lost and they ended up losing. And it was three nothing. Lehigh Valley had a total of one hit. You can't win a game with one hit. It's very difficult. Yes, it does make it very difficult. And again, this is a situation where even if they don't win, they're, now they're going back to Lehigh Valley to play some games. And if you haven't been there, go get some playoff atmosphere. I mean, it's not that far from here. Go up, go up and catch a game. The problem they're having, though, is their hitters are all gone. So whatever you thought of J.P. Crawford's season this year, which hasn't been great, he's now he, he was their shortstop, and they don't really have enough. Dean Anna is playing shortstop now, so you lost him, you lost Dylan Cousins, you you've lost a lot of the play. You lost Jess Valentin, Floramon. There's there's nobody there to hit. Uh, Altair. Your relievers, too. Yeah. So it, it's 
they're they're bare bones at this point as far as having people to get through that series. But then again, what is the point of the minors? And it's I was gonna say the, that's that's the difference between the minors and, and the big team. Yeah. I mean, that's I guess that's the whole point is mm-hmm. to have guys ready to bring up for your squad as they make the final push. Imagine you're the manager. Okay, so like Gary Jones is the manager of, of Lehigh Valley. Gary Jones has, has, has coached on the big league level. He was a coach on the World Series Cubs a few years ago. And you've managed all year, and you've dominated AAA. I mean, they were ahead for since, you know, they just went wire to wire, basically. And all of a sudden, you get to the week of the playoffs, and all these guys that you've been putting in the lineup are gone. Yeah, they're just gone. It's like they never existed at that point. It's got to be tough for the coaches, but again... They're happy for them, because that's what they they want. That's their goal. Their goal, ironically, is to not have them play for them. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, it's it's one of the one of those things yeah it, it, it's very much in some ways like being a parent you know it, your goal is to get your kid ready to we've asked college or whatever some of the managers about that in our interviews mm-hmm. this this season you know what's it like or you're like a proud parent when you see your kid make it to the next level or make it to the big team and that's what they say they take great pride in watching the people that they've worked with reach success on levels after they leave them we had the pleasure i had the pleasure of being in the locker room um, when they celebrated a couple weeks ago when they won the division and I I know the look of a proud dad and the look on Gary Jones face was that look and and I think that's what's what's nice about it it is definitely fun to see these teams have the success as much as we'd like them to win, it's also good to, for them to experience the failure yep. because they're going to have to learn how to overcome failure. I mean, baseball is a game where you're celebrated for hitting the ball one out of every four times. In the meantime, though, Marty Molloy is not going to experience failure, I don't think. I yeah. think that, Lake, that Lakewood's going to go through the rest of the playoffs. They're up one nothing. They're coming home to Lakewood. I, I don't see how they lose. Well, and they got like, Spencer Howard, who was one of their top, the Phillies' top picks last year on the mound. He's had a great season it's and like we said we were out there last week talking to will stewart about that pitching staff Mm -hmm. about that team here's our interview so you can hear what they have to say we're here with phillies pitcher will stewart it is good to see you again yeah it's great to see y'all this is awesome when we came earlier in the season you were one of our first interviews that we did when we were on our tour of the the minor league teams and you were just excited to be here yeah it was the next step for you you have now dominated this yeah. season um <laughs> probably exceeding even some of your own expectations absolutely can you give our listeners an idea for for what this has been like for you to go through um honestly so the best way I can put it is this has been kind of like a dream season. Everyone calls it the dream season, but um, experiencing it and knowing like how far I've come, it's just been incredible. Like you were saying, exceeding my own expectations. I didn't expect to come out here and um, dominate the entire league all year. I, it was a goal, of course, but to see it come to fruition was insane. So this has been a lot of fun. You made the all-star team. You pitched in the all-star game. You've had experiences that you probably hoped you'd have but didn't know when they would happen. What's it? What was it like to, to be called an all-star first? Um, when you 
are a little kid and you wake up in the morning and you want to go say you want to go play baseball and you turn on the TV and you see the all-star game and you're like wow I want to do that now obviously we didn't do that all-star team but to be named an all-star was pretty incredible um, it's kind of like one of those huge honors that you just don't you don't realize it happened until you're done I got done with all-star game and I was like holy crap this really just happened like I really just did this this was this was a real thing I'm not nobody's pinching me this is real so it was cool it was really cool what's it like to be instead of just playing with your own teammates playing with everybody who's considered the best on their team um it was really cool it was really different um because you're used to you're used to being on a team where you want to you want to kill them like you want to you want to beat the crap out of them every time you play them and then being on a team with them and seeing like what kind of guys they are and what kind of teammates they are it just kind of changes your whole, whole perspective so like the second half we would go into games and i'd be like oh this guy's actually really cool like i really like this guy we had a lot of fun like this happened this happened and then like you still have to get that mentality of okay i'm gonna go get you now so it's a little harder because you know them and like when you're pitching against friends it's like you kind of crack a smile here and there every now and then and you feel really bad about it but at the end of the day you're like okay now i have to get you sorry <laughs> <laughs> we we talked to sean williams who will likely be your manager at the beginning of next season um and we asked him what's it like for a player to go through the 140 game plus season and he says you know what you really can't prepare them for it you just got to go through it for yourself absolutely well this is your first i believe mm -hmm. full 440 plus game season yes you look a lot older uh, are, are you tired and and what's it like having now getting to this point as this is the last weekend of the season before the playoffs yeah I, i'm definitely tired um being 140 games in is ridiculous it's you don't really realize that it's 140 games until you get to about 120 and you get to 120 and you're like oh my gosh this is never going to end um but honestly the big thing for me is is i've had a lot of people like helping me like stay like keep my body healthy and keep me on track and everything like that and I don't think we give enough credit to the guys that are in there with our trainers and stuff they literally are kicking they are kicking us into doing something like you got to get this done you got to do this you got to do that stick to your routine so he's right you can't prepare you can't I saw you say somewhere your goal coming into the season was to go six innings and you know you struggled some last year in Williamsport early in games and so a focus was going to be getting through the first inning and commanding to your fastball. Absolutely. You've obviously figured something out to make that happen. What clicked and what's it been like to set a goal like that and not only achieve it but excel past it? Um, I think you're right. It, something did click. Um, it was more of a mental thing. I think physically I've always been able to do it. Um, I don't think I changed anything drastically from last year to this year, like mechanically wise, but mentality wise I stopped trying to be I stopped trying to compare myself to other people. I stopped trying to be someone other than myself. And I went out and said, I'm going to be the best me every time I can. And it really changed. I, I went in with the mentality of, I'm not going to walk anybody. I would rather give up a home run than a walk. That was my mentality. We all know nobody wants to give up a home run. But for me, giving up walks was my hugest, was my biggest thing last year. I couldn't get out of the first inning without walking three or doing something like that. And this year, I came in with the mentality of, okay, I want you to hit the ball. Hit the ball. 
because I know I can throw it good enough to where you're not going to hit it hard. So that was my whole thing. Your approach I enjoyed. I saw you you say before, us low-round guys, we have to fight and have to claw and go out there and do some crazy stuff to get noticed. You have to be the guy that's out working every minute of the day. You have to put up some good numbers and be the guy. Mm-hmm. Have you sat back and appreciated the success from becoming that low-round guy you talk about that's got a claw to the guy who continues to claw but now is getting the attention of the guy who isn't the low-round guy? Yeah, um, I have my... It's actually really good because me and my dad talked about this like a week ago. Um, Yeah, being a low-round guy and... I mean, I'm not going to change my answer. Being a low-round guy, you do have to claw. You do have to fight. You have to do crazy stuff because you're young. You're not... You're not as... um, in the beginning, you're not as valuable because they're like, okay, we're taking a chance on this guy, and we we want him to excel, but we're gonna we're gonna see how it goes. And then being able to come out, Whatever, dude. <laughs> and then coming out and being able to crush it and being able to do great and excel past expectations is insane. But sitting back and enjoying it, not yet. All right, we still got more. <laughs> well, well, the guy that just walked by was Marty Malloy, who just decided to yell out whatever dude for whatever yeah. reason, as well as give you some sort of card. Um, yeah, Chick-fil-A. <laughs> <laughs> what, what, what's it been like playing for Marty Malloy and also with uh, your pitching coach, Brad? With Marty, now that he's not here, yes, he's crazy. Yeah. I love him, but he's crazy. Um, he's a down south boy. I mean, he's just like all of us. He is a very good players coach. He treats us with respect. He gives us everything we need and more. But he is still the guy that's going to get get in your butt and be like, "Look, this is how you conduct yourself. This is how you play." Stuff like that. And with Brad, Brad is. The coolest, nicest, most understanding pitching coach I've ever had. Um, He's never the guy that's like, oh, you need to change this. This is how you need to pitch. He's always been like, okay, let's find what works for you, and let's just make it better. And that's all we ask for as pitchers. That's all we want. Now, you think he's that nice because he's he's blessed with all of you pitchers who decide that you're going to (laughs) throw a record number of shutouts? Is he always going to be like that? I mean, I don't know. Right now, I think being his first year and coming into something like this and everyone gives us a lot of credit for it and yeah we did it but that man in there was the guy who put it all together he was a guy that told us we could do it he was a guy that was like look y'all have what it takes just go and do it so brad's a great guy has he been a good transition from having pat borders last year Nobody can compare to Pat. Pat is amazing, (laughs) but yes, it has been. He's been great because with Pat, it was more of the... it's more of the like, okay, we're in Williamsport, we're here to develop, we're here to do some things. And now coming to Marty, it was like, hey, we want to develop, but look, we can win this thing, so let's go win it. Because in Williamsport, yeah, you want to win, but it's more of a like, let's get a good season underneath your belt and then get you ready to go to low A. Well, and you guys have done that now. You won both the first half and the second half. You're part of a record-setting pitching staff. What's it like to be in that room with those guys every day and drive yourself?
yourself and how are you preparing for the playoffs? Um, being in the room with them is kind of an honor because honestly we can our starters are phenomenal the ones that have left the ones that have came they everyone has been amazing um, we both everyone pushes each other to be better each day uh, but none of us would be here without our relievers none of us there has been games that I've came out of a game and had three runners on base and my relieving team comes in and just crushes it shuts it down that could have changed the whole season for me there's a few of those so those guys I give a lot of credit to them because they save us a lot um, and preparing for playoffs I think it's just a mindset I don't think we need to change anything I mean we've been doing so great this year um, we've been so consistent so the only thing is is to just keep being consistent don't change your mindset don't be like oh it's playoffs I'm nervous we got to go do this thing differently no we don't have to do that we're a great team we were in Lehigh Valley a couple weeks ago and Jess Valentine said that one of the great things about them winning their play their uh, division was that a lot of them came up together but it's kind of like college you, you know you start as freshmen and you are you looking forward to with this group of guys kind of making your way up together yes I am um, earlier in the season you would have asked me that and I would have been like I don't know <laughs> I don't know I didn't know a lot of them I wasn't close with a lot of them but right. now after a 140 game season with bus rides that are 12 14 16 however many hours we're going uh, yeah I wouldn't pick a different team if I could I honestly wouldn't um, hitters pitchers coaching staff I wish we could all move together but um, I'm extremely excited for it what are listeners who don't do what you do in in your shoes what's a 16-hour bus ride like to chase your dream to get back on another 16-hour bus ride to come back uh, 16 hour bus rides are probably the worst thing on earth um, for the first like six you're good because you're like laying in bed and you're like okay I can sleep for a little while and then you wake up and it's daylight outside and it's like 8 a.m. and you've got eight more hours to go and you're like what do I do now like what am I supposed to do here um, we bring TVs on the bus we try to do as much as we can everybody gets up walks around people are bumping into each other we've all got food there's trash everywhere because we can't fit it all in the trash bag and it's just it's insane but I mean it was worth it we end up winning so that was that's the big that's the big thing just win and come back home you talked about your, your mindset and how it, it had been mental for you. So what's your next goals now that you've achieved your past goals? Um, mentally, I think the, the goal next year is to just take this same mindset and amplify it. Just go a little bit harder because, I mean... Um, took my mindset this year and it worked out really really well and to go home take a break have some downtime and then come into spring training with the same mi mindset but just more just knowing that I can do what I what I've done this year is open my eyes to what I can do and now the goal is to just do more do more I, I'm not really big into the numbers um, because they can change so much and sometimes they don't really tell you how you played but um, next
next year I just want to do more. I just want to make I just want to make more things happen, more craziness, more wow, he really did that. Like, you know what I'm saying? Crazy stuff. So you're looking forward to the playoffs? I am actually. I really really am. I've I've only been in one other playoff in professional baseball and it was in GCL. I made it all to the la- all the way to the last game and lost it. So I've been to the promised land and then got kicked out. So now I'm trying to get to the promised land and win it. So I would I'm I would be very 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 upset if we did not win this because we are I genuinely think we're that good. Uh, I just have one more question. It, oh, somebody just walked by and we just we we said it was Marty Malloy who who said whatever dude. <laughs> Could you say that to him? <laughs> Maybe. I mean sometimes it depends uh-huh. on what kind of mood he's in. Yeah. Like if we just killed a team and like w- did really really well and uh-huh. we're all like having fun in the clubhouse then yeah, but like I don't know. That man scares me a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I have to thank you. Both of us have to thank you. You were one of the first people we talked to at the beginning of the season and have given us a real inside scoop about what it's like to go through a minor league season. Thank you so much. I'm honored. Jeff, that was fun talking to Will Stewart again. You know, he's an amazing kid who's turning into an amazing uh, adult. And and I think that um, if you want to hear a player at the beginning of the season and the end of the season, go to, go to our website and catch both of his interviews from the beginning of the season to the end of the season, and I think you'll find it fascinating. And you put those out again on our At High Hopes Phil's Twitter account. Yep, and on our website. To, to watch him uh, talk with more experience now about what it's like to be a professional uh, was very interesting. He absolutely has seen things this season that he had never experienced before. But he's still in love with baseball. He is. Which, he by seems the way, to love it more. Yeah, but but it but un- un- unlike the Phillies fans right now who are all of a sudden going, what happened? What happened, Jeff? Because we're not just losing to good teams. We're losing to the Marlins, who are bringing in less fans than uh, a high school game. There were like 1,300 people at that game. Yeah, that day. whole 8,000 number, there's just no way. There it's, is no way. It's bad when you can do an actual head count of the people at the games. <laughs> like that. That's a problem. Everybody, don't go to the concession stand. We need to count. It's. But what do they do? Uh, see, he, I have a theory, which is Gabe Kapler has been given too many toys. And he doesn't understand that some toys are not to be played Look, with. You and I texted the other night. He basically started a softball lineup on the infield with three first basemen. Uh-huh. I, I three mean, first basemen. And I have nothing against first basemen. But usually, at that level, your first baseman is your least athletic player. So they had three of their least athletic players and by the way then they started two of them as the top two hitters and I know I have not understood I know Carlos Santana started the game with a home run but that's not the way that you're going to win a game Roman Quinn should not be batting ninth when he has been hitting like crazy and has more speed than the rest of the team combined explain to me why Cesar Hernandez does not come out of this lineup well he came out for the one game for Florimond so, uh, is I'd that what it is? There's nobody else there to. I mean, yes, there is. You got Kingery. You well, got. I'm trying not to raise my voice here, but but there is in that Kingery is a natural second baseman, and it appears that Kapler is doing everything in his power not to put him at second base, so people don't create a controversy. Well, the same thing with Hoskins. They're, I mean, they well, played. They, they put they him at first base late in the game so that they could put Carlos Santana at third base. At third base. 
I don't understand, and I'm not trying to be an overdramatic Philly fan. I, I just don't really get what's going on. They are a better team than they are playing down the stretch. I think they've overachieved this season than more than I expected. Mm-hmm. But what we've seen the last few weeks is going to leave people with concerns about the way the manager handles his team. They may like him personally, right. but his in-game decisions and adjustments and lineups and, I mean, they put the lineup out and you and I text instantly like, what is this? It is the least athletic team. The, the lineups that he's putting out there are are incredibly non-athletic at this point in their careers as Drupal Herrera uh, Cabrera cannot run. Wilson Ramos could hit the ball over a wall and it could bounce back and they could throw him out at first base. Justin Bohr should be playing first base in my mind if you're not going to put Hoskins there and Santana should be coming off the bench. You can't have all these guys and you can't have if the two guys with speed are Kingery and Quinn. Right. And, and so those guys should be at the top of the lineup. And, and Williams, by the way, who seems to keep getting lost every time he gets in a groove, for some reason, he ends up on the bench the next day. They don't seem to have faith in him like you do. I don't, I don't understand what he has done not to give them faith. Well, we're going to let you ask that question continuously. We'll have plenty more to break down on the minor league team, on the big league team. Let's hope by next Friday that they are closer than they are now. And let's hope that Lakewood continues to uh, play well and advance so that we don't have nobody in the in the minor league playoffs there. Yep. Um, so we'll leave it there for the week, right, Jeff? And I think then, then we'll be wrapping up our High Hope show in the next couple of weeks with our own top prospects list. Jeff is already hard at work in his lab preparing his rankings. I know you'll all wait by with bated breath. Thank you so much for joining us this week. Make sure to join us next Friday night to help you start your weekend in style. Have a great one and we'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye.